0: Brilliant. Well, as we begin this morning, I want us to think about a question, a question that, um, that John's already helped us to start thinking about, and that is, what is church? What is church? We talk about it all the time, but, but what is it? Imagine a friend this week at work or at school said, what is it that you do on a Sunday? What is that church thing? What, what's it about? What's it for? What is church? I think if you asked uh, my two kids a a month or so ago, they probably would have said, Church is a TV program. Uh, We sit down, we watch it. It's fun because we get to sing, but it's not quite as exciting as Peter Rabbit. That that might have been their answer a few weeks ago, a few months ago. And that's the answer of a a one and a four-year-old. But lockdown has caused lots of people to ask that same question, hasn't it? What actually is church? Is it something that can be pre-recorded? Can you do church on YouTube or Zoom? Does it matter if we can't sing or or talk to each other? What is church? And it's that question, like John has pointed out, that brings us to Acts chapter 2. You see, here in Acts 2, Luke, the author, describes the beginnings of what we now call the church. If you can remember back to last week, Peter, the Apostle Peter, had just preached his first evangelistic sermon. And his big point was that Jesus is God's king. Jesus is the one who rules from heaven and will return to judge. And so they, the people there that day, and we need to repent. We need to turn from our rejection of Jesus and instead recognize him as our king, the king who died so that we could be forgiven. And we ended in chapter 2, verse 41, with 3,000 people doing that, repenting, being baptized in the name of King Jesus, and so receiving forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And that's where we ended And in these next few verses, this last little bit on chapter 2, we're going to see what happens next. We're going to see what life looks like for these new spirit-filled believers, these people of the risen King Jesus, what their priorities are, what their focus is, what they spend their time doing. And it's as we look at Luke's description of the believers back then that we can learn something of what it means for us to follow Jesus today as people in a completely different time and different place but those who believe in the same Jesus and are filled with the same spirit we can learn what it means to live life together as followers of King Jesus so we're gonna see three things this morning three marks of the spirit-filled believer and the first is there in verse 42 Uh, Spirit-filled believers are devoted to God's word. Look at verse 42 with me. They, that's the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Back in chapter 1, if you can remember, we, we saw how the apostles were these people specifically chosen by Jesus and given the job of being his witnesses to the world. And then Luke says, just as... Just as Jesus was accredited by God with signs and wonders, verse 43, if you look there, says these men were also able to perform signs and wonders, uh, which proved that that their message, the things they were saying, were from God, not just from their heads. And so these apostles, they they were chosen by Jesus to teach people about Jesus. And so that's who Luke says the believers listened to. Not the local religious guru, not the famous lifestyle coach, not the popular blogger. No, first and foremost, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Now, clearly we're not in the same position as the people back then. We we can't get the apostle Peter to come and be a guest speaker for us this term. But thankfully, we don't need to, do we? Because the apostles' teaching, as we've seen, has been written down and recorded for us. It's right here in in the pages of the Bible that we can hear these men teach us about Jesus. It's here that we can listen in, just as we did last week, as the apostles explain how the whole Bible is about God's King, Jesus Christ. And so the very first question for us as believers this morning is are we devoted to God's Word? Are we eager to learn about Jesus from the pages of Scripture? One aspect of that will be in our personal life. Being devoted to God's word means taking time each day to read it, making it a priority to know Jesus better as we read about him in the Bible. Personal reading will be a priority, but as we're going to see, the focus of these verses is it's not actually our personal life, it's our corporate life together, the corporate life of the church. Devotion to the apostles' teaching primarily meant coming together to listen to them teach about Jesus. And so for us today, the main place that happens is on a Sunday. This, right now, is the time and the place that we gather together as God's people to hear the Bible taught. That's why we put so much time and energy and thought into just this little portion of the week Not because we we worship a book or or because we want to fill our heads with knowledge, but because we understand that the way we get to know Jesus better is through his word. It's as his word is faithfully preached and as the spirit works in us, that together we grow in our love for Jesus. And together we learn to live like him in all the different areas of our lives. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I devoted to God's word? Am I committed to hearing the Bible taught? Am I eager for the sermon or is it just something that I endure? Am I doing everything I can to, to put distractions aside and give my full attention to what God is saying to his people? Do I love to spend time in God's word because that is where I get to meet Jesus that's where I see his great love for me and where I learn to love him more the spirit-filled believers were devoted to God's word and then secondly we see they were devoted to God's people Uh, verse 42 again they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread uh, the second mark of the spirit-filled believers is that they're devoted to this thing called fellowship or, or, or literally sharing with one another. Now, Living in a, in a very individualistic society means that lots of Western Christians, Christians like us, uh, attempted to have a very individualistic idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so we talk a lot about my faith, my personal relationship with Jesus. And that is true, but but that's not the full picture. Uh, We saw in Ephesians last term, didn't we, that the gospel is all about God saving people from all over the world, creating this new humanity, bringing together people from different genders and races, wealth and status and interests and hobbies, and uniting them all together in Jesus. And so if you're a Christian here this morning, then you've been saved into a, a community, a family, The word church literally means gathering. And you can't gather with yourself, can you? The church is a community. It's a gathering of people. And as we've seen, one aspect of that gathering is to come together and listen to what God has to say to us, his people, through his word. But whilst our fellowship or our our gathering, it, it does include Sundays, it does include services. It isn't limited to them. Just look down at verse 46. Verse 46 says that every day they, the believers, met together in the temple courts and in their homes. Every day they they gathered in the temple courts to be fed spiritually as they heard the apostles teach about Jesus. And every day they, they gathered together to be fed physically and spiritually as they broke bread and shared meals together in their homes. I know there's, there's a bit of debate as to whether Luke is talking about the Lord's Supper here in these verses. I, I'm not sure it's completely clear either way. Uh, but regardless, the point is that the believers were in and out of each other's homes every day. They were sharing life together. And so church is not about just a, an individual experience on a Sunday morning. No, it's about sharing life together as God's people. Unlike the the believers back then, I don't think that means that we need to rock up here at the King's Centre every single day. Their lives revolved around the temple courts in a way that is is different for us today. The point isn't so much about where we spend our time, but who we spend it with. Whether here at the King's Centre, in the well, at the pub, in our homes, the point is that we spend time with God's people throughout the week that we share life together. Verse 44 says that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. You see, Luke says that these early believers, they didn't, they didn't even see their possessions, their, their home, their money as things just to be used for themselves. They they understood, they got it, that that as people who are united together in Jesus, they are one family, one body. And so anything they happen to have personally was used to serve the body corporately. Spirit-filled believers are concerned for the needs of others. They're devoted to sharing life together so that everyone is cared for and everyone is being built up in Christ. And if you're like me, then straight away you might think, well, yeah, that's great, but it's pretty hard to do in a big church like ours. But the moment I, I thought that this week, I, I remembered that there's 3,000 believers here in Acts 2. This isn't a small group. And it's not that, that each individual person had to care for all 2,999 others. But that within that 3,000, Luke says that everyone was cared for. Everyone was looked out for. Everyone's needs were met. One of the ways that we try and do that here at CC is through things like life groups or women's Bible study. People tend to have one of two views when it comes to these groups. Some view them quite functionally. So the groups are all about Bible study and prayer, which means you, what you do is you, you arrive you do your Bible study, you pray, you leave, job done. Others think them more kind of relationally, so they're all about community. Yeah, the Bible is important, and we'll get to that at some point, but really the focus should be on sharing life, on bearing burdens, on caring for each other. I imagine most of us in our minds will lean one way or the other. But I hope you can see that in Acts 2, we need both. It is essential that we spend time together in God's Word. Remember, the believers are devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so life groups, they're not just any old community group. They're not just a place to to share struggles and deliver meals, as important as those things are. God's Word is central, it's essential to what we do together. But neither are they simply Bible study groups. Because it's as God's people get to know Jesus better in his word that they will inevitably begin to love each other more. That's what Jesus says will happen. They'll love each other more and they'll share life together. And so relationships and community and care, those things are built not as something separate from God's word but as a direct result of spending time in it. And so again... Whether in a life group or not, we need to ask ourselves, am I devoted to God's people? Am I committed to making sure that no one in my church family is in need? Am I willing to view my possessions, my my home, my time, my money, not as things just to be used for myself, but to serve and care for others? And are my relationships built on the foundation of God's word. Is our fellowship Jesus-focused, or is it me-focused? The Spirit-filled church is devoted to God's word, it's devoted to God's people, and finally, it's devoted to prayer. Verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. One of the key themes that we've seen in the book of Acts is that it is God who works. It's God who saves, God who heals, God who speaks. And in verse 47, it is God who causes the church to keep growing. It is all down to him. And so as we saw a few weeks ago, one of the marks of God's people, the the believers in Acts, is that they're devoted to praying. They understand that if it's God who works through his word and in the power of his spirit, well then the best thing that they can do is to get on their knees and pray. You see, there are all sorts of, of books and blogs and, and conferences and classes, all, all about church growth, all about systems for making us have a bigger impact in our, in our community, in our country. And lots of them can be really helpful. But here Luke wants us to see that, that before anything, it is God who causes the church to grow. Without God, we are, we are simply wasting our time. Which means, whilst books and blogs are helpful, prayer is essential. This is something that I've been challenged by over the past few weeks and months. Uh, again, I think in a, in a relatively large, relatively busy church like ours, it can be so easy to, to think that by be, be so busy planning and producing programs that I don't really take the time to stop and pray. It's really easy for me to convince myself that as long as I'm busy doing lots of things, that everything must be going well. But as lockdown has put lots of those things on hold... It's revealed to me that so often my trust is in a well-run event or a carefully crafted meeting rather than in God. (laughs) Lots of my frustration over lockdown has been around the things that I am unable to do when the reality is it's never been about what I can or can't do. It has always been about what God can do. And so whilst lockdown has stopped all sorts of things, it hasn't stopped our ability to pray. It hasn't stopped us recognising our complete dependence on God in everything we do. And it hasn't stopped us expressing that dependence to God in prayer. One really practical application of this would be to come along to our Sunday evening prayer meetings that we're having on Zoom. The format is really simple. We hear updates from people in CEC and from those further afield. And then we pray. We pray together as God's people. And in doing so, we trust that it's God who works, whether here in Chessington or in Sweden, whether in Epsom or in Haiti. So you see, the believers were devoted to prayer. There you go, three Marks, three features, three kind of aspects of the spirit-filled believer. They were devoted to God's word, they they loved to learn about Jesus in the Bible. They were devoted to God's people, they loved to share life together as one body. And they were devoted to prayer. They humbly depended upon God's power, not their own. Those are the marks of a spirit-filled church whether in 1st century Jerusalem or 21st century Chessington. But just as we close, I want us to notice one last feature, one more thing about this spirit-filled life together. And that is that it's visible to the watching world. I wonder if you spotted that in verse 47. Just look there. The believers were praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see what Luke is saying right at the end there? Sharing life together doesn't mean shutting the world out. The people who lived in Jerusalem, all the people, Luke says, saw what was happening. The church lived life in plain sight. And so Acts chapter 2 is not a call to build a monastery. We're not to retreat from the world, pull up the drawbridge and then just get on with Bible study and prayer together. No, church life is to be visible to the watching world. Visible so that people on the outside would be attracted by the way that we live and so come to know the one that we live for. One writer puts it like this. They say, as society becomes increasingly secular... It is tempting for us believers to retreat into a Christian ghetto or subculture, rather like a rabbit warren beneath where most people live. We emerge into the real world when we have to, to to go to work or to do the shopping, but we ensure that almost all of our social interaction takes place where we feel safe with other believers. From time to time, the church organises evangelistic events, and we go out and try to persuade people to come and join us. But unsurprisingly, most say no. They hardly know us. And when they do peer down into the rabbit warren below, they're, they're put off by all of our strange jargon, the clothes we wear, the songs we sing. Our world is completely alien to them, and they're sure that they would feel out of place if they ever came in. So we retreat back to our friends and report that evangelism is very hard these days and then we return with relief to our comfortable life with our fellow Christians. That's a caricature, isn't it? But you get the point. As Christians, we are free to spend time with other Christians. We've just been encouraged to do just that. It's a good and right thing to do, but... But if we only ever do that behind closed doors, if we never get close enough to people to let them see what this spirit-filled life together looks like, well, then we can never really expect them to want to be part of it. Again, I've got to say that I find this a real challenge. As someone who spends the majority of my time with other Christians, I often find it really hard to spend time with those outside of the believers, outside of the church, but the challenge here is clear, isn't it? The Christian life, church life, it's not something to be lived in secret behind closed doors. And so we need to be proactive at spending time with those who don't know Jesus. As individuals, as, as families, as small groups, as a whole church, we need to keep thinking about how we can build bridges into people's lives, how we can invite them into our lives so that they can see the difference that Jesus makes to the way that we live. And it's as we do that, we need to pray, verse 47, that the Lord would keep adding to the number being saved, that he would bring others to know King Jesus for themselves. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our King Jesus Thank you that we are his people. And Father, thank you that as we've seen in Acts, that belonging to Jesus completely transforms, completely changes every aspect of our lives. Father, thank you that you've saved us into a people, into a gathering, a church family. Uh, Please help us to live life together as people who belong to King Jesus. And help us to do that so that others would see and want to know him for themselves. And we pray in his name. Amen.